Chris Chang and Phillips. I'm Trevor Chow Fraser. And this is Let's Find Out, a podcast about the history of Edmonton, Alberta, or Amiskwichi Wiskaigon, on Treaty 6 territory in Metis Region 4. We take questions from curious Edmontonians about local history, then we find out the answers together. Let's Find Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Today we are continuing our season about the history of parks and natural spaces in Edmonton, and Trevor, do you have fun thinking about how parks get named last episode? Absolutely. I love reading minutes for uh, city bodies, so I just love <laughs> digging into the minutes of the of the naming committee. Well, I promise today you're not going to have to dig through any minutes, but I'm glad you had fun because we are going to go deep into one park name this episode uh, that I think is an interesting lens into how a name can help a whole community feel seen. And this one started with a question from listener Sony Dasmohapatra. All right. Um, so, hi, Sony. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Good. Thanks for joining us. Um, would you mind introducing yourself? My name is Sony Dasmohapatra. She, her pronouns. I was born and raised in Edmonton, and I lived in Toronto for about 20 years. And um, being between these two cities has really inspired my interest in understanding the history of different communities that have settled in Canada. And being South Asian, which is meaning that my parents are from India, I'm fascinated to know that there were a lot of South Asian communities that had settled in Canada from like the late 1800s till now. So for me, this is an exciting query. Thank you for gifting us this question. episode. So if you wouldn't mind um, telling us uh, in your own words what your question was, this is kind of fun. We're doing kind of like a mini series about how parks get names in Edmonton. Um, and you've given us a very specific park that you were curious about. So what's your question? Yeah, so my question is, um, how was Sohan Singh Buller Park named? Because uh, Sohan Singh Buller was one of the first South Asians to settle in Edmonton. And um, and I was surprised to learn that there was a park named after him. And furthermore, like I said, being raised and going to school in Edmonton, I had no concept about Sohan Singh Buller until I heard about the park like seven years ago. <laughs> so it's fascinating. <laughs> Somewhere, someone from the naming committee was just like thrilled. Um <laughs> Um, so, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I love this question, um, both because I haven't been to this park, but also because it's going to help us get to talk about an aspect of Edmonton history that we haven't gotten to touch on this season yet. Um, and we're going to start off today, um, by chatting with, um, someone you already know, uh, but who has made, um, a wonderful documentary about exactly this topic. Um, and we're going to get some background on who exactly Sohan Singh Bular was. Um, so we are now joined by Srila Chakraborty. We reached Srila in Chicago. Um, hi, thanks, Chris. And thanks for having me on. Um, this is this is very curious and a, and a great time to be uh, asking this question this question um, because it was on this uh, wintry cold day where uh, we ventured out to this park and started to dig up the history in uh, uh, for our story hive uh, tell a story hive documentary film called Punjabi pioneers of Alberta 
Um, my background is a film director. Um, I direct uh, movies, I do videos and documentaries, and this uh, and my pronouns are she, her. Um, and I came, uh, I was invited to work on this project by the producer um, Robin Youssef and, uh, and his buddy Ranbir Buller, whose grand uncle was the so-named Sohan Singh Buller of Sohan Singh Buller Park. I, I love that in the documentary you're in the park in winter because it's just nice to see someone else who, you know, refuses to be kept inside by the snow. <laughs> oh, and it was extremely cold the day that we filmed at the park. <laughs> was it? It was probably like uh, minus, uh, close to minus 30. Hey, that's this week. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> Sony, do you want to start off with what you're curious about here? Yeah, so for myself, like, you know, um, it's Black History Month, it's February. And so in Singh Buller had a really interesting um, married life as well, because he's married to Effie which is in the film that Srila also produced. And Effie was part of the Shiloh community um, of Black settlers in Edmonton as well. So like, it's so fascinating to imagine that at that time, there was such openness and such like, um, like you know, different communities coming together. Um, coming to this question also um, led me to sort of understand a snapshot of Edmonton at this time. And uh, I have three children and they go to Edmonton Public School Board. So in grade four or five, the curriculum is focused on sort of like, you know, um, Edmonton's history a little bit. So the teacher will always invite me to come and do a presentation. <laughs> so I always bring this this um, history because it's important for children to know that uh, over 100 years ago, there was diverse settlement. And I think that sometimes when we're told historical stories, it's told from the Eurocentric colonizer perspective which is unfortunate because there's so much more to unveil uh, and understand. And really, when you look at today's classroom in terms of children's diversity, um, they're all reflected in that historical content as well, right? Hmm. Well, Srila, can you give us just the, the uh, So and Sing Bular 101? Um, who was this um, gentleman? Um, I think Sony uh, did a good job of introducing him as the first uh, first pioneer settler in of South Asian origin in Edmonton. He actually settled after he had retired. So prior to that, he moved around a lot. He was uh, he was like many uh, Punjabi pioneers at the time. They were they worked for the the British Army or the British. Uh, East India Company, um, and uh, and so they had a way to travel all around the world uh, because they worked for the company, and um, and so there were a large number of people that were that were coming to the new world um, to help build the railroad, help build infrastructure. Um, settled the land, they worked in lumber mills, they were very hardworking people and so they were very much appreciated by the colonists. And so they were kind of a counterpoint 
to other Asians who are here for the same reason. So uh, another interesting part of the history is that is that they were there was always this balancing act of of uh, balancing populations, minority populations, who were not allowed to become citizens, but they were allowed to study at the university. They were allowed to, um, eventually after the 1920s, um, families were allowed to come in. So So and Singh Buller didn't have an option to, um, to get married uh, to another South Asian in North America. If he wanted to, he could marry somebody from Mexico, from the Asian community, uh, or else from, from the African American community, um, which is what he chose to do through Shiloh Baptist Church. Um, and his daughter, Helen Heslip, who is still alive today, um, that's his eldest daughter, um, she like gave an amazing um, impression of what life was like and how their family moved around. They were uh, a family of, of 10 children um, and, and she was the oldest so she was, as soon as she grew up, she was like, she had to go into the city and, and get work. Um, they were living on from farm to farm. They owned a convenience store where, um, where they had interactions with the indigenous community and shared knowledge of how to like survive and grow things in the winter. Um, they had a very rich life. So when he finally settled in, um, in Edmonton, um, he became the go-to person for students, especially students, who would study at the university um, and they would, you know, work in the summertime in the lumber mills. And so and Singh Buller just helped be the place to tie the community together with the resources that they needed um, to make it and, and keep them encouraged. They were the party house. Um, there were so many weddings that took place, uh, according to one of his granddaughters, Penny Singh. Um, and it was when uh, Helen Heslip and her daughter Janice, who actually uh, worked with, the, with an ex-police uh, captain, I believe, Samuel Donahue, um, who was looking for people who made an impact to Edmonton, and uh, and named So and Sing, and the name of So and Sing Buller came up because he had helped so many students um, while they were while they were going to U of A, and he lived in in the uh, Garno area, Strathcona, old Strathcona. It's so interesting that this park kind of like reveals a thing that's not usually that visible that kind of like community connector role because it's not it's not a formal title that someone puts on usually you don't get paid for it and even the Sheila how you said he lived in old Strathcona but it's interesting that the park is in Mill Woods right because I think that that's also a testament to how many South Asian families have settled in Mill Woods as part of that migration because 
I, like I I would assume that if he was at Old Strathcona, the park would have been in Old Strathcona. But maybe my assumption is wrong. It's true, but there's a there's so many parks and not a lot of parks. Uh, I don't know what the what the fight is to get parks named and renamed um, in in Edmonton. I don't know what kind of like there is a naming committee. Um, I think when a new park gets established or or an opportunity comes up, so I don't think there's. Um, I think they look at a lot of different things. And Millwoods, of course, uh, is known for its South Asian community. So they probably felt that, that it would be a good place to you know, be named after a South Asian. Whereas Strathcona might be, there would be too many other considerations and his name wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't meet the, it wouldn't beat the competition maybe. <laughs> We're in luck because we actually get to talk to someone from the naming committee this weekend, so maybe we can poke them with that question. <laughs> Trevor jumped in here with our next question. Yeah, I was wondering if you could talk a bit more about about his life in Edmonton when he settled here. Like, what what was it that drew him to Edmonton if he'd been moving all around Alberta and around Canada, perhaps? Like, what what drew him to stay in Edmonton finally? Uh, well, Edmonton was the uh, municipality that uh, where you where you come to you you come here for information. So uh, Edmonton's old Chinatowns um, I don't know which one of the three old locations um, existed at the time, but it was where um, it was where everybody met. So all of the the students in the early 1900s, like there were students like Hazara Singh, um, Sadhu Singh Dami, Darshan Singh. Um, these were all in the 1920s. Uh, that they were at the U of A, and there was a movement that was going on um, to facilitate India in its um, in its independence uh, uh, from the from the British crown, and and so they and there was also another political movement for um, I think this is where they started to uh, students were learning about communism. And so they were mm -hmm. trying to come up. I know this is like, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine Edmonton, Alberta as being like a, a place where, where you're envisioning, you know, what a communist nation would look like. But the, <laughs> but the impetus of it was actually not for Canada. There were a lot of undocumented people living here because the uh, people in the Asian community or non-white communities, um, they were not allowed to become citizens. So people like So and Singh, um, they were always living on the fringes. Um, even if they had land, um, that it would be under a second person. Uh, and so they were always under threat of being uh, 
of being removed. And, and that's part of the reason why they're moving all the time. And the churches, and the churches were the social workers of the day. And minority women, especially, became domestic workers. And, uh, and the church was the ones who were trying to organize uh, civilian life. And so you would come for information, you would come for applying for business licenses, you would come for, um, <laughs> I guess, coming to court and things like that. And he was always being cited for some, you know, infraction. <gasps> Can you tell us the hot tamale story? <laughs> the best... The, this one, this one just stays with me. Is he was uh, he was fined for um, selling booze at a hot tamale stand. Which is like like a pepper. Or what? I actually didn't catch what that was. So a hot tamale, a hot tamale is um, it's it's a it. I'm sure it got imported from Mexico, um, where you steam cook. Um, meat or vegetables inside of a corn husk. Uh. It's a way of preparing food and uh, like on a barbecue and uh, and it was it was uh, very popular from like popular from Mexico so hot chilies and hot tamale uh, it was called hot tamale I think because of the chilies that came from Mexico and so naturally if you're if you have a different palate um, as you would from Asia, uh, then suddenly this, the spices from Mexico became very popular. And the, and the Punjabi community had, uh, there was, a, there was a, a lot of people that settled in Mexico and intermarried with Mexican people. So the link between somebody who's from Punjab um, getting uh, integrated into like Mexican culture <laughs> was not unheard of in those times. And it's something that is not really talked about, but on the internet you can find, um, you can find a whole community of people who um, are half Mexican and, and half Punjabi. And, and that's like mostly in California as well, right? Like there's a big community in California and Texas. Well, it's Tijuana. It's the California-Mexico yeah. border. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and California as well, and the whole West Coast actually, from California all the way up to um, through BC um, and into and across the mountains into Alberta. Yeah, and you know that's so interesting because that's the route, right? Like to me too. Like so, in St. Buller's Park, like I think the two points that you raised. So it's interesting because we were colonized, Indian people, India was colonized by the British. So when those Punjabi pioneers did come to Canada, they were actually British subjects, but they were still not allowed to have citizenship within the context of Canada that was still under Britain's sort of citizenship, right? So to me, that's interesting about exclusion. But also the other thing that, you know, we often read about in history books is that because of that tie to the British East India Company, a lot of Punjabi soldiers ended up coming through Vancouver, taking the railroad all across uh, the prairies to Ontario, and a lot of them settled that way too. And 
I think when we talk about like, you know, all the immigration pieces that were happening at that time from 1915-ish or 14-ish to 1920-ish, there was a lot of exclusion, like the Chinese head tax, continuous drainage legislation. There was an ordering council where um, there was a blockage of black settlement from the Americas, right? So I think it's really interesting that even despite all of these restrictions and these um, spaces of not wanting to have diversity of peoples in this pocket of Alberta, people were so resilient and still fought that and were able to settle and have that long history. So to me, um, so in Singh Buller's like, namesake is a testament to something that needs to be shared more, I think. Well, it's also important to, uh, to realize that um, through uh, colonialism, um, they weren't, it wasn't for the purpose of, you know, diversifying our planet. But the fact that there were, you know, great working relationships with anybody who was helping the cause, which is profiteering, um, were distributed across the planet, um, you know, with profit motives. We are going to learn more about the naming process on Saturday. We're going to get to go to the park, which is free fun. Um, so do you have one last question for Srila before we head off today? Um, yeah, sure, Srila. Like, um, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, like, I guess, Sohan Singh Buller's, uh, is a granddaughter, Judy Singh? So, um, it's Judy Singh is Sohan Singh Buller's youngest daughter. His okay. oldest daughter is Helen Heslop, who was also a very excellent singer at uh, the Shiloh Baptist Church. Um, it was Tommy Banks that uh, that gave Judy Singh her break, and uh, she sang for the Tommy Banks Orchestra. And she was a big jazz musician in Edmonton, right? So she was a very well-respected jazz singer. There's been some cool writing about uh, Judy Singh lately, um, and maybe we can link to that on our website. Mm -hmm. Thank you for giving us some of your time this evening, Sheila. Oh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't get tired <laughs> talking about this stuff. A time for summer skies, for hummingbirds and butterflies, for tender words that harmonize with love. This episode is brought to you in part by Edmonton Public Schools. Get ready to take the guesswork out of choosing a school. Go to Edmonton Public Schools Open House. Meet the staff and ask your questions to learn about their schools and programs. Explore your options and find the school that feels right. Find event dates and learn how to make the most out of your visit at openhouse.epsb.ca. Know before you go and feel confident and excited when you get there. This episode is also brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong and vibrant community for generations to come, and you can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group, and once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by Edmonton Community Foundation, and they do it in partnership with the Edmonton Social Planning Council, and the idea is to measure how the community is doing. 
The 2022 report focused on systemic racism in Edmonton. If you do community building work in Edmonton, it's worth a read. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. So a couple days later, we drove into the middle of a little residential district to visit the park itself. And a member of the city of Edmonton's naming committee, which has the responsibility for naming lots of different features around our city, to learn more about the big picture of park names that reflect underrepresented cultural communities. I Amazing! <laughs> oh my god, we were on the same wavelength. <laughs> That's why I was like, because I was like, I drove down the woods because I wanted to go to Irie to get patties. They're closed. Oh. So then I thought samosas are just as good. <laughs> I'm Sony. Hi, I'm Matt. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, we're rolling. Oh, okay. And welcome everybody to Sewn Sing Bowler Park. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> let's um let's go visit the park. Sony, can you tell us what we're what we're seeing as we walk up to this beautiful view? Yes, it's a residential area. And there's a big expanse of beautiful white blanketed snow with tiny footprints of dogs, coyotes, I don't know what the marks are, and beautiful trees, evergreen. And I don't know what kind of tree this is. Is it an oak tree? I don't know. I'm bad at trees, sorry. If, if you were to give someone a sense of how big this park is, what would you, what would you say? Not very big. It's like a parkette. A parkette. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. So um, we chatted with Sony the other day about um, sort of a little bit about who Sony Singbular was, um, and today we're going to talk about how this park, in particular, got this name in particular. And uh, we're excited to be joined by another guest from the naming committee. Hi, my name is Matthew Dance. I'm uh, the vice chair of the City of Edmonton's naming committee, and my pronouns are he/him. Awesome. And you've got some exciting experience with mapping that you bring to the naming committee. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a geographer by training, and I like I like maps. I like place names. Um, I'm a bit of a nerd, so it's it's quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> we love having nerds on the show. Um, so, uh, Sony, I'm I'm so glad that we were all in the same wavelength too of like bringing snacks to the park. This is part of what you talked about, right? Is like what you feel like. South Asian communities bring to parks in Edmonton? Yes, yes, definitely. I think that uh, there's a big history of South Asian communities gathering in parks, bringing food, having fun, running around, getting lost. Okay. So it's really good. <laughs> so I just got uh, samosas from Pakwan, which is a local Indian eatery on uh, Millwoods Road. Mm. I highly recommend you try it. It looked really good. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's exciting to be here in Millwoods. Nice. And we brought some donuts from Donut Party from our neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a Manitoba maple. It's because it's got those danglies on it. The one you were looking at. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Over there. Yeah. yeah. The, the two ways I diagnose a Manitoba maple are does it look like it's drunk? <laughs> and does it have the danglies in winter? Because they're always like, like leaning halfway right. over. Right? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> It's so lovely today. It is. Yeah, yeah it's not cold at all. It's a lot warmer than yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, Sony, um, you had some specific questions of mm -hmm. things we were not able to get to with Srila. Um, would you like to get us started and pose your questions, Matthew? 
Sure. Um, so, Matthew, um, how did So and Sing Buller Park get its name? Right. We're flipping open the holy book here. So, I, I have two resources. One is the Naming Edmonton from Ada to Zoe, which was published uh, through U, the U of Alberta Press by the City of Edmonton. It was published in 2005. So, it's a really great resource for names up to 2005. And then um, I was able to get through the City of Edmonton administration kind of the official uh, announcement uh, or submission of the of the name uh, by Mr. S. Donaghy CM, Chairman of the Names Advisory Committee. It's from uh, 1985. So the park was named in 1985, um, and it was recommended as the, quote, official name for the or ornamental park situated in the Millbourne subdivision in Mill Woods, comprised of uh, 0.54 acres in lot 35R, block 12, plan 6453RS, located south of 38th Avenue on 86th Street. Um, and it was... The name was chosen in recognition of uh, Mr. Bollars as being one of the earliest immigrants from in India in Canada. And it provides a bit of a biography of, uh, of uh, Sohan Singh Bollar. Uh, he was born in uh, November 1882 uh, in Punjab, India, and arrived in Canada at the age of 18. After living and working in British Columbia for approximately seven years, he moved to Lethbridge, in 1907 and between 1907 and 1953 he first worked on a farm in Lethbridge area um, and later went on in went into farming for himself settling first in Green Court and subsequently moving to Noise Crossing and to Callahoo in Alberta. Upon retirement he moved from Callahoo to Edmonton in 1953 and lived on 112th Street and 87th Avenue until his death in October 1968. Um, so he's really being celebrated um, for some of the work that he was doing in the 1950s and 60s when some small numbers of university students and immigrants from, Indi from the Indian subcontinent began to arrive in Edmonton. Mr. Buller and his family sought out the new arrivals and enthusiastically hosted them and helped them in countless ways. These services earned him uh, a warm affection and a lasting gratitude of the newcomers. Mr. Bollar was a generous man and through his dignified and magnanimous personality represented the long and proud tradition of hospitality of Edmonton. In his own quiet way, he served this community well and made it a better place to live. A lingo about the lot number and the urban planning site. Yeah. Uh, but we just found out actually through an inquiry that Son Singh Biller lived on, in Strathcona, in Old Strathcona, near the university. And the address that you just read showcases that as well. So why, why did they build the park in Melbourne and not in Strathcona? So the, way the, pro, the way the process works is community members will put together an application and submit it to the naming committee. So all the thinking about where the, what, the, what the thing is that's being named and where it's located has been done by by the folks, the community that's put together the application. Uh, our role is more bureaucratic, if that makes sense, right? We wanna make sure that um, 
it's an appropriate name. We want to make sure that uh, the community has been appropriately consulted, that there are letters of support, that there's uh, a robustness to the application that, that lends itself to that place being named for that person. And we're not, we're not looking for prestige necessarily, we're looking for, for service, we're looking for uh, dedication, if that makes sense. And I don't know, from my perspective, uh, humble service is more, more, a more compelling narrative for me than, than uh, service that is more in the spotlight. Uh, that makes sense. So it sounds like it might be here because the community that wanted the park named after Bular was here. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting what you're saying about, like, it's an open application process and, like, the personality and outlook of, like, the people on the naming committee is such that, like, these are the things you'd be open to. But, like, I've been part of institutions, and I, I, I know you have so many, too, that say, like, we invite applications from everybody. We've got a form on our website. But that requires, like, capacity and organization and, like, institutional connections existing. So it's interesting that this park was obviously nominated by people who had that kind of capacity and connections when they made that submission. Yeah, and even just um, as part of your narrative, like it's really fascinating to me that, you know, there's many South Asians who have contributed to Edmonton and Alberta, but I'm not sure how many parks are named after them. Like I feel so in Sing Buller is one name that rings so like loud, right? But within the context of Edmonton as a whole city, what are the other names of South Asian contributors to our economy, to our politics, to our social fabric? I, I think that's, that's such a brilliant question, right? So from my perspective, one of the things that we're trying to do is, is peel back the systemic barriers to folks accessing, not just uh, the ability to have parks named after people who aren't white guys, but access to the process itself, right? So we're, we're uh, last August, we have a new naming policy in place that is more focused on uh, inclusion and diversity. Uh, we're shifting away from naming places after people, uh, specifically because you don't know the entirety of a complex person's life. And, and maybe maybe 10 years or 15 years or 50 years from now, we'll find out that that place ought to have not been named after that person. But we're also looking at what are the systemic barriers to, um, to people sitting on our committee. Uh, I'm also very interested in, in data. So... Uh, moving from a book to an Excel spreadsheet where you can start saying that there are um, more places named after men than there are women, that there are more places named after white men than there are of anybody else. And these are, I, th I think these are really important questions that the naming committee is, is grappling with now. So we have this new policy. So how can we shift from being... Uh, uh, supportive of this new policy using old systems to being supportive of a policy with evolving and new systems that open up the process to, to anybody. Can, can you unfold any of that data that you have looked at so far? Like, d does Edmonton have a preponderance of 
places named after white men compared to more diverse names? Um, yeah. Just give me, give me one sec. Give me, give me one second. This is just, I'm working on a document that is, uh, we're calling it a policy to action document. Yeah, let's have a donut while we look. Yeah. They're hot. I hope you didn't get cold. (laughs) Matthew hunted for a document on his phone. And in the meantime, we pulled out some snacks. There's chutney, but I'm not going to open it because it was bow everywhere. (laughs) Mm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm. Was it good? Just greasy enough. Yeah, I know. I found the document, okay. So an initial analysis of Edmonton place names memorializing people from the 1950s to 2000s found that male place names represented 57% of place names. And again, that's a subset of those places named after someone as as compared to female place names at 7%. And in addition, there are no non-binary names on record and for completeness, completeness, the remaining 36% of Edmonton place names represent flora, flana, fauna, or some other non-human representation, right? Mm-hmm. So um, one, of the, one of the things that we're working on is creating a, uh, a, a data set of place names where you can have the name, the, the year the name was impl- implemented, where it, it's located, and not just as a, as a point, but also as a polygon, so that if you, if you have a park, you can get a polygon of a park. If it's a road, you have a, a linear feature, not just, not just a, like a, a dot at Jasper on 109th, but you would be able to get all of Jasper. Um, but then when you, when you start having it electronically, you can start uh, creating metadata around the place names. So uh, you could place um, a gender on the name, if if you have a robust method, you could even start classifying where the place name came from, the origin of the name. So, uh, you know, Bonavista might be classified as French, and Laurier might be classified as British, and Buller as, as Indian. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. And then you could then start understanding what the um, diversity of Edmonton's place names are. Mm-hmm. Which is a reflection of the population. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, sorry, it's a, re, it's a reflection of those who hold power in the population. So Dr. Lana Whiskey Jack, who has her own art gallery and is a professor at the University of Alberta, uh, who is Cree, um, she, I've learned from her so many things, but one of the things that she's taught me is where is your belly button buried, right? Like a Cree space of like your connection to the land. So for me, um, my parents came from India in the late 60s and uh, I was born here in Mesocordia Hospital. So my belly button is in the bowels of the Mesocordia <laughs> Hospital near West Edmonton Mall. <laughs> but it's interesting because to me, like Edmonton, as I was growing up here, I never felt as a young brown girl included because it was very white then, right? Uh, I left to go to Toronto and had a totally different experience. And coming back to Edmonton, I'm shocked at the diversity that has occurred in terms of global migration in the last 15 years. Um, so for me too, it's interesting also to see that future of like, where will my kids who are mixed Jamaican and brown, like Indian, see their namesakes or see their history when they are my age, in, if it's in Edmonton or elsewhere? I- 
you didn't say this on the recording last time, but did you want to share that thing that you were saying about so and Sing Buller, like, kind of like stealing your thunder of being a pioneer relationship? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I took it out of the phone. <clears throat> okay. So, um, so it's really interesting about how people end up loving each other and connecting, right? And uh, so and Sing Buller was married to Effie Jones, who was from the uh, black community from Alabama. And we shared that in the speech with Srila about how, because so Sinkin Buller couldn't marry someone from his own community, he married a black woman in Edmonton. So when I married my husband, who is Jamaican black, we met in Toronto, I thought I was being like revolutionary and breaking the mold. And then I come back, I'm like, oh, 100 years later, this has already happened, right? <laughs> so it's really great also in terms of that intercultural, intermarriage, interracial like those are Canadian experiences too that I think need to be part of that narrative, need to be part of that story. Cause where else will you meet people that are going to be like Blasian or, you know, like it's really cool. So yeah, I love that. Thanks, Sony. Yeah, thank you. Donuts. <laughs> which, which is which? I always feel like. Thanks for listening. Let's Find Out is produced by Trevor Chow Fraser and me, Chris Chang and Phillips. Let us know what you think. Drop us a line at chris at letsfindoutpodcast.com. You can download all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts. We've also got a, a billion links on the website, so you should check it out. Letsfindoutpodcast.com. And if you want to support the show's production, we're on Patreon. Special shout out to Ghost Magpie level supporter Raquel Farrow and to all of the patrons who pay to make the show possible. Seriously, it matters so much to have listeners who value this work enough to help pay for it. You can also catch us on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd love to see you on Patreon. Uh, we're hoping to do something special as we come up on Let's Find Out's anniversary. Oh. <laughs> Thanks to. That's news. That might be news to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that was live surprise. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll think of some goodies for you. Thanks to Sony Dasmahapatra, Srila Chakrabarty, and Matthew Dance. Thanks to everybody who's been supporting this podcast, especially Finn. Original music for our show is by the tenaciously lovely human being, Doug Hoyer. Until next time, keep your questions coming. <laughs>